Good morning. Welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, the Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Diane B., and I am a gratefully recovered compulsive overeater here in New York. Today is Thursday, March 23rd, 2023. Today we're reading in the big book, and we're at page 69 in the second paragraph, beginning with, in this way we try to shape a fame, and we're reading one paragraph only. Today's readers, for the 12 steps, we have Nancy P., 12 Traditions, Jen P. The text will be read by um, Pam S.R. Page 164, a book is meant to be suggestive only, is Barb W. Back up, oh, sorry. Let's see. Newcomer greeter, Jeannie B. Um, and our second hour host is Matt J.F. <clears throat> Thank you, everyone, for your service. The reference numbers for yesterday, Wednesday, March 22nd, 2023, the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting is 20,078, which is 20078. And then for Wednesday, again, Wednesday, March 22nd, 2023, at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, the number is 20,079, 20079. Uh, let's see, the OA preamble. is Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We're self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through the abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Here are the steps we took, which are suggested as a program of recovery. Nancy, can you please start, read us the steps? Yes, I would be happy to. Nancy P. recovered in Western Massachusetts. Here are the 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to other compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me share. Thanks, Nancy. Jen P., can you read us the traditions, please? Sure. Hi, this is Jen P., Recovering Compulsive Overeater in New Jersey. The 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. 
two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities pass. Thank you so much. Um, How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no absence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We're sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted, and we request that you do not use the speaker function on your phone. Today we resume our study of the big book. We're on page 69. We're in the second paragraph. Um, And our reader today, is Pam SR. Take it away. Good morning. Um, this is Pam SR, compulsive overeater, recovered for today, living in Austin, Texas. In this way, we tried to shape a sane and sound ideal for our future sex life. We subjected each relation to this test. Was it selfish or not? We ask God to mold our ideals and help us to live up to them. We remembered always that our sex powers were God-given and therefore good, neither to be used lightly or selfishly, nor to be despised and loathed. While I'm honored to be reading this paragraph, just to be a witness of what God has done through the 12 steps. I have a new life and I have a new happiness. But what we want 
around sex is we want sanity and how do we go from something God-given to something loathed and despised. In my life, my mother shared with me things that happened in infancy and I really wasn't physically safe until the age of 22. I can relate to sexual trauma. After decades of therapy, I got to a point where I could function, I could cope, but it was coping and existing with fear and anxiety. And I say that to identify in. So what I heard when I got into the rooms is I will not regret the past and I will not wish to close the door on it. And I couldn't, I just couldn't believe that that was possible. And my sponsor was aware of my history, but really we didn't discuss it. We didn't unpack it. She was very big book. And what she did is she guided me through the 12 steps. And I had the desperation of a dying man because I knew I needed to connect to a higher power and I didn't believe it was going to happen for me. And what's interesting is that all of my sexual trauma was on my resentment inventory, but none of my sexual trauma was on my sex inventory. I didn't have any part in my trauma What the sex inventory was about was my selfishness and how I used other people. And so what I can say is that after two and a half years is what I experienced has truly been miraculous. You know, I actually know what peace and serenity feels like. And I no longer live in the ruination of all the pain of my You know, I can can go back and visit, but I also know how to get out because there really is hope and there is a solution. And that's why when I introduce myself, I say, this is Pam SR living in Austin, Texas, because for the first time in my life, I am not surviving. I am living and I'm in the directory And I would consider it an honor to talk with anybody and offer my hope and experience. Thank you so much. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much for getting us started, Pam. That was uh, really great to hear you. Let's see. So although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your share to every third day in order that others might share their experience too. Um, so I'm now ready to take people's names, including the initial of your last name and the state that you're from. Star one to unmute. Janice P.M. Barbara E. from New Jersey. Janice P.M. Barbara E. Reva P. Reva P. Carmela G. Carmela G. Darlene H. Darlene H. I could take one or two more. Anybody else? Okay. Let's go with, oh, sorry, who was that? Lee H. Lee H. Great. Okay, so our lineup, Janice P.M., Barbara E., Reva P., Carmela G., Darlene H., Lee H. Thank you very much. Okay, Janice, you're getting us going. 
Well, thank you so much, Diane. This is, um, my name is Janice PM, and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater from Massachusetts. Um, In this way, we tried. In what way? Well, we just finished the paragraph before. Looking inside of myself. I had no, I always used to blame somebody, and we went through that already here, because we're in the middle of the sex, you know, sex inventory. And I thought it was just about, hmm, you know, I was afraid to get pregnant. And, 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 uh, but that's when I came too, because I've been blocked. But, um, you know, when you're desperate enough of how you're feeling, you look inside of yourself. I looked inside of myself. And the biggest thing was the selfish character defect. It's not so much about sex. It's about me. That's who it's about. It's, um, you know, it was uh, so selfish of me. Um, And and I used to think, just like it said, you know, sex powers are good. Um, They come from God. Now, I never thought about that until I did this fourth step. Um, and, And, you know, it's such a miracle. I'm a new woman today. And I've been a new woman for a while. Um, the sex instinct is not the problem. It's the selfishness. It's the dishonesty. It's the fear which directed my behaviors. And it caused pain for others. I never thought it caused pain for others because I was too blocked. I was too into myself. I was restless, irritable, you know, and I wanted uh, attention. I wanted approval. And, uh, then, of course, it, you know, I was the type that withheld sex because, oh, you know, I don't, I don't want it. I'm going to get pregnant or whatever. And I was either despising it, you know, um, regarding it with contempt. Ooh, no, I'm not. I loathed it. I detested it. Um, you know, yet we say that, you know, and I know sex powers are God-given. So, you know, I must be willing if I'm desperate in this area with relationships, including my husband and my son and whoever else, um, uh, I must be willing uh, to change. Now, these are God-given desires, right? These is God-given, so I have to go to him. He's the one that's going to change me. I can say, nope, I can promise, nope, I'm not going to do this anymore, blah, blah, blah. but it doesn't work. We're going to use this the same as I used it for resentments and fears. And that's all it is. It's very, very simple. And what's an ideal? It's, it's, it's a standard to go by. And, of course, we're in a different place now. We, we promise that God is going to, you know, take us where we should be. So it's going to be God and God alone is my standard today. And he's going to shape my ideals uh, my standards for any future sex life, which, uh, you know, the past is over. So the, the new, it, you know, even yes, if it was mother. last night, thank you. It's going to be a different decision today for the future. So each relationship has to be tested to my selfishness. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thanks, Janice. Next, we have Barbara E. from New Jersey. Good morning, everyone. It's Barbara E. from New Jersey. So grateful to be with you, and thank you, Diane, for your service. 
well, if I spent too much time hating someone, I'm in danger of becoming like the person I hate. And I know when I take shortcuts in every area of my life, eventually I get cut short right at the knees. Now, for me today, my body is just a shell. My husband, bless his heart, has supported me regardless of my weight, and that still fills me with love and gratitude. When I'm thinking less about myself and stop worrying that you're judging me, I realize that fat or thin, I'm still an ego-driven egomaniac with an inferiority complex. Why did I say that? I finally realized that people didn't, didn't think about me as much as I thought they did. I'm just not that important. I accept myself and my body as it is today, sagging skin, jowls, stretch marks, all the marks of a life of gaining, losing weight. They are bookmarks, a history of my life, and now I'm not and now I am devoid of expectations that I'll ever again look like I did at 30 or even at 50. And that's okay with me. I now accept my body thanks to my, my husband and what I've learned with gratitude. Because when I think of where my body's taken me, I see it with more gentler, more loving eyes and self-awareness, self-compassion, self-care, and even affection. It's less about what I look like on the outside today, but more about what I am as a person and what I can contribute to the world. Thank you, family. I love you all. Have a blessed day. I pass. Thank you. Now we have Reva P. And if you could give us your state, please. Hi, good morning. This is Reva P., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Um, I wanted to talk about the concept of ideals. Um, before I did um, any inventory, I always had ideals for other people how other people should be, how my husband should be, how my colleagues at work should be. Um, and I thought I was supposed to make everybody live up to those ideals. <laughs> so this is telling me um, in this way, in this way, by turning the finger around 180 degrees and looking at myself and those nine questions in the paragraph above, um, I am molding a sound ideal for myself and the relationships that I'm in. So I need to look at myself. And, you know, I can get caught up in thinking that I have to come up with ideals, but it's telling me to ask in prayer, ask God, show me what is the wife you would have me be? What is the mother, daughter, friend you would have me be in, in these relationships? Because I don't know, I've spent so much time trying to make everybody else the way I want. Um, I'm not even sure how I'm supposed to be. And then I can also ask God to help me live up to them. And I think that's so beautiful. It's so future focused. You know, we are looking at our future and how I'm going to be from here on in. Um, and God will show me sane and sound, sane and sound ideals. Um, so whenever I'm in doubt, I don't have to get into a whole analysis. I don't have to listen to outside sources. I'm supposed to go to God and ask. Um, and sometimes things change over time, relationships change, 
and God will show me. Um, and that's all I wanted to share, you know, look back at myself. Um, and when I become the person that God would have me be in each and every relationship, they just seem to work out way more um, um, harmoniously and, and smoothly. Um, and with that, I pass. Thank you, Reva. Next, we have Carmela G. Thank you so much. This is Carmela G, a grateful compulsive eater from New York. And Diane, thank you for your service. This paragraph, many years ago, when I first entered program, um, the reality was everyone, when you mentioned sex, you think about a partner uh, and that intimate relationship. But it was someone on this line who educated me and said in her share, she stated, sex means friendship, any relationship that we are involved in. And our life in this program begins with our relationship with God and with others. And the goal of this program is that we live it and be of maximum service. So if I have friends that I'm instilling jealousy and trying to show my self-righteousness and how important I am, that is not a good sexual relationship. So it doesn't matter if it's a partner, a friend, a spouse, a loved one. It's any human being that we come in contact with. And it is only through God that he allows us to be molded, molded in the way he would like us to be. And that is how I live my life today with all my relationships. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much. Thanks, Thanks Carmela. Darlene H., your turn. Hi, good morning. This is Darlene H. in Columbus, Georgia. Thank you so much for your service today. Um, I love this particular paragraph because it it changed the way that I view the relationships in my life today. Um, you know, I have to laugh and say the first time <clears throat> I ever did the work in the big book, um, I'm not. I I understood that the sane uh, um, sex ideal was about me making a list of everything I wanted in a future partner. <laughs> now, when I look at it today, I have no idea where I got that information or that concept, but um, I walked around in the world with my list of things that I wanted from my future partner, and, and any time I met him, I'd go back and look at my list. Oh, my God, oh, my God. Well, epic failure. Um, but fortunately, I was taken through the book again with another sponsor was armed with facts and experience and excuse me it was suggested to me that maybe I take some time prayer meditation with God 
and <clears throat> excuse me, asked the question, what does a sane sex life look like? What does a sane relationship look like? And who am I going to be? Who am I bringing to those relationships? And to write it down, write down a paragraph. Who am I? Much like it's already been said, and not just in sexual relationships or intimate relationships, but in every relationship. How am I going to be a daughter? How am I going to be a, a, a coworker, and so on? And then, and then my sponsor suggested one step further. You know, when I got to the eleventh step, and I realized that we're not there yet. But hold on to this because if you are, if you're kind of putting it all together, when you get to the eleventh step and you're reviewing your day, she had suggested that maybe I take my ideal and um, put it up against my evening review and see, did I meet my ideals, the ideals that God set for me today? How did that work out? Do I need, do I need to be better? Do I need to do something different? Um, you know, and that's really eye-opening because I can write it all down and I can think grandiose thoughts about who I'm going to be when I show up in this life to other people, but then am I really putting it into action? How's that working for me? Um, yeah, so that's what I wanted to share. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Thank you, Darlene. Now, Lee H. Well, <clears throat> excuse me. Thank you so much. This is Lee H. in Tennessee, recovering, compulsive overeater. And the shares have been wonderful, and I don't really know what else I can lend to the conversation except I just wanted to say that I've been really impacted the last several days over the readings um, and continue to see where I am self-reliant and selfish and especially with this sex inventory I see where I still even though I've been through the steps several times I still see where um, this sexual instinct in me can be a defect and uh, I'll just to just give you the example that I'm thinking about is that my husband I, I'm 70 my husband's 75 he has Parkinson's and he has this thing with his voice so it's very difficult for us to have conversations and so um, I belong to a community Y where you know I, I play pickleball I play bridge and so um, you know there are men there that participate and um, occasionally there'll be a conversation I'll have and I, I really enjoy having the conversation with the man but sometimes it takes me into that red line area where I start thinking about a sexual you know I, I'm drawn to that person not necessarily in a physical way but in an emotional way and um, and I know that that is you know, off limits and, um, you know, after doing the steps and and just looking at the ideals, I have seen where my ideals are different, my behavior is different, and I want to respect every human being and I want to show them tolerance and patience, um, particularly my husband. I want to love him and respect him. And so I'm just living in the ideals now and it's not perfect, but it has really changed my life and changed the way I behave. And 
I'm just so thankful that I don't have to be jealous. I don't have to um, look outside of my marriage or, um, you know, to get filled that my higher power is the one that fills me now. And uh, I review it every day and with him. And so I'm just really grateful for this study and for the these frank conversations and the vulnerability that um, people on the line have had the last few days about this, because this is really, really important. So I will pass. Thanks. Thank you, Lee. Uh, if anyone has joined us late, um, the meeting and late in the meeting, we're on page 69, the second paragraph, beginning with in this way. And again, although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your share to every third day in order that others might share their experience too. So if you have not shared in any of the vision meetings since when Monday, I would love to take your name if you would like to share now. Good morning, Victoria L. Melissa C. Victoria L. Hold on, Victoria L, Melissa C. And I think I heard Pete, did I hear Pete? Yes. Pete, thank you. Hiya, Pete. Victoria. Hiya. Okay. Sigrid F. Ingrid F. Sigrid. Sigrid. Okay. Julie K. I do that every week, Sigrid. Sigrid S. One, two, three, four, five. All right. Let's stop there. Victoria L., Melissa C., Pete B., Hiya P., Sigrid S., and Julie K. <clears throat> Victoria Star One, please unmute. Hi, good morning. This is Victoria L, and I'm a compulsive overeater from Muncie, Indiana. Can I be heard? Yes, you're loud and okay. clear. Okay, great. All right, thank you. You know, this is a really painful topic. Um, OE in general is a painful topic for me. I've been in program for about 11 years, and I just really struggle deeply with relapse and. Um, I've done multiple inventories. I have a lot of time in another program. I probably did four inventories just last year alone. I've been through therapy, but, you know, as a molested as a child, I have no memory before the age of like uh, eight or nine from a childhood friend. Um, I was raped when I was somewhere between the age of 13 and 14 years old, and that's how I lost my virginity. And then raped again when I was in college because I was in a blackout and put myself in a dangerous situation. And, uh, you know, now I'm in my 50s and I'm still single. And intimacy is really hard for me. Sex isn't hard. Sex is sex is easy. The intimacy part is hard. And just thinking about the trauma that's been done with to me in my past life makes it really hard to let go of the resentments and to develop a relationship with a higher power that would allow someone who is a child who's young and innocent um, to have something traumatizing like that happen. And I grapple with it, and I've struggled with it my whole life, obviously. Um, you know, and so when we think about this, you know, the only way that I've been taught to look at it is, um, you know, find a way to release the resentment and find a way to release the resentments. There's no way I can possibly understand that. I know there are people who have better stories than me and people who have even worse stories or trauma. And I do, and I think where the rubber meets the road for me, though, is when I get abstinent, then all the feelings of all the things that have happened to me in the past come rushing forward, 
I live with like an anger and grief that lives below the surface that feels like if I really allow myself to feel it, that, um, you know, it would just be overwhelming, but it feels like feeling those kind of emotions that I would die if I felt those kind of emotions. And, um, and so then when I start feeling that way, I pick up the food, you know, the, the first step talks a lot about, you know, we are without defense against the first bite and we, we have some trivial excuse and my excuses don't feel trivial to me. Um, but the, the feelings of what happened to me are probably still unresolved and look within because they block me off from my connection with God. And there, are, like I said, there are so many worse things that happen to people in life, and we'll probably, I'll, I'll probably never understand in this lifetime why things like that can happen, and that um, just a young child could be violated. Then you add on top of that that I had a rageaholic father who used to beat us, and a mother. Just a reminder. Thank you. Almost done. And a mother who used to keep compete with her daughters for her father's intention, and I'm just a fucked up person. <laughs> You know, and I've never really shared this vulnerably online before, but I think at some point we have to be rigorously honest because if this doesn't come up and out, I'm never going to get abstinent. So thank you for letting me share. Thanks, Victoria. Melissa C., you're up. Hey, good morning, Diane. Thanks so much for your service this morning. Um, my name is Melissa Sam, a recovered compulsive overeater. I live in New York. And, you know, I think about um, this test that I'm, you know, sort of to put all my relationships to and, and really ask myself, yes, of course, in the sex relation, right? That's that's what we're talking about here. But, you know, we're, we're kind of told later on we treat sex like any other problem. So, or like any other issue. So um, all my relationships, I have to subject it to the test. They call it the relationship test. Am I selfish or am I not? And, you know, my, my history, you know, I've been, thank God, I've been in a marriage for 26 years, and I've been with my husband for, it seems like, most of my adult life, it feels like. Um, but my relationships with him and with especially in this area, they were really selfish because it was, you know, when I think about what is selfish, it's, it's having an end, you know, an end game. Like, like everything sort of I did or have done is like with this, um, I've got a, I've got a master plan and all the things I do along the way is so that my master plan comes to fruition. And, and oftentimes the, the, master plan that I had was fill me, make me feel good, you know, like, and I would say I show up in many relationships, it's an empty begging bowl of wants, and the other people's job is to fill me up and make me feel good, and that is the opposite of actually what it is to have God mold my ideals, because if I'm really going to be loving and giving and concerned with others, I'm to show up in all relationships with my bowl filled from God, right? And I look to to give and I look to be more loving and giving. And that is very true in my relationships with with my husband. Instead of, you know, showing up, um, yes, in, in intimate ways, you know, but even in daily life with what are you doing for me, how are you making me feel good, it's really got to be the opposite, 
Um, and that one of the things I found out is that when God is molding my ideals, sometimes I can feel the pressure of my selfishness pushing against the pressure of the molding, you know, and, um, and we're told that we let, we let our ideals be formed in the creator's hand. And when I live that way, um, you know, it seems like, seems like my bowl is filled and it doesn't require other people filling it. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Melissa. P.P., you're up. Thanks, Diane, for taking the meeting. My name's Pete B. I'm a compulsive overeater, and I'm recovered today by God's grace and mercy. And, uh, yeah, you know, um, it's fun. I was I, I learned early on, you know, sex, you know, or sex history or uh, future sex lives. You know, it's a thing we think about the most but talk about the least. And uh, it's, a, it's important, right, because – you know, I w- the instructions I was given uh, when I had challenges with regard to my sexual history was that uh, I could create this ideal, uh, it, it, you know, by consulting with the God of my understanding and through prayer and meditation, and then I could subject each of my past, my history, to that ideal, and that identified where I fell short, right? So I kind of did it like in reverse to a certain degree. If I created this ideal and then I looked looked at my past and I saw how did I behave inconsistent with that ideal? And it helped me fill out my, 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 you know, this part of my, my inventory. And you know, it, this idea of this ideal, um, like, again, the instructions was, this is, this was a product of my fourth step inventory, this ideal. And it was almost, it was almost like a meal plan. If I treated anything differently, right? My meal plan in black and white, this is what I do. This is when I do it. This is how I do it. Um, if, if not, if I don't have that, then my, my future sex life is subject to my emotions. It's subject to my feelings. It's subject to circumstances. So I had to have this, this ideal that I put together in a series of declarative statements. I will be this way. And it, 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 it keeps it in black and white. This is the way, in, in, you know, in, as close as I could be at the time with the God of my understanding, this is the way I arrived at how I intend to be going forward. So then when I have challenges going forward, I could, I could refer to that ideal to determine when it is I lived inconsistent with it. And it also, it also, you know, it also gave me the, the information that like, I'm responsible for my feelings and my behaviors. Nobody else is responsible for how I feel. And I have to be the person who authors my, my story about what's going on in my life. What's going on today based upon the facts of today? And that took me out of the victim role into the victor role. Determine going forward how I'm going to carry myself, not based upon how other people treat me, but based upon that ideal that I created in conjunction with my relationship with the God of my understanding. And the other important thing I like to point out about ideals is these are not rules. They're not regulations. These are going to involve 
as my relationship with God evolves and my feelings towards certain things are going to get more clear as I go forward. Thank you again for letting me share and with that I'll pass. Thanks, Pete. Hiya, P. You're up. Star one, please. Hi, everyone. Hiya, P. From Florida. Uh, wow. This is, uh, this is a very, very difficult topic for me. Uh, and I found myself uh, not wanting to get on the meeting the past few days because of it. Uh, so uh, in terms of my personal life, uh, I've been married almost 39 years. Uh, we have our ups and downs, but overall I'm very blessed and grateful. Um, but uh, sex and intimacy is, physical intimacy is no longer a part of our marriage. Uh hard for me to be open with uh, hundreds of people, but uh, here it is. Uh, for me, sex is food. I remember going out and having coffee with my best friend and eating cake, and we looked at each other, and it was like, okay, so do we go home and have sex with our husbands, or do we eat? And the uh, the answer was quite clear that uh, we ate. Um, I had a therapist tell me, you know, your reaction to intimacy and sex, it's, it's as if you were abused as a child sexually. And uh, I, at that point, had absolutely no recollection of that. But I also have a lot of memories that I have uh, pushed aside because of trauma. And uh, a, a few months ago, my sister mentioned something like, oh, do you remember... Uh, when we babysat for this kid and the father came home and gave us massages. And I'm not sure anything happened post that, but clearly uh, it is something I probably have to deal with. I have to deal with with uh, a therapist and through my four steps. Conversely, um, I am on the outside very sexual. I'm a writer. I write about it. Uh, I talk about it. I tell jokes about it uh and that whole idea of uh you know my sex powers god-given sex powers and um uh this idea somebody said putting themselves in a situation you know and in this me too movement of course it's absolutely unacceptable uh for any sort of unwanted sexual behavior but for me personally it's the idea of putting myself in situations uh, where I cross the line, whether it's the jokes and, and talking at work and, you know, there have been hugs and, and kisses that were probably, that were not appropriate for someone who, for me uh, and for for my uh, relationship. So, uh, you know, this is, this is difficult. <laughs> I, I feel my heart pounding as I'm sharing, but I, uh, this is what, rigorous honesty is about and this is what uh recovery is about and with that i'll pass thank you haya sigrid s you're up morning family this is sigrid s in south florida recovering one day at a time so i've learned a lot in the last few days about these paragraphs someone early on shared you know, I just assume replace the word sex with power. 
And I heard that. That resonated for me. I have had, you know, you know, whatever, I guess the, maybe the normal path of abusing my sex powers, um, manipulating people, flirting when I shouldn't have. Actually, one time that resulted in sexual harassment of me, which didn't I bring that on myself? But whatever, I digress. Um, so I want to look at this first sentence. Uh which whatever our ideal turns out to be, we must be willing to grow toward it. And I think this relates back to the journey that I feel like I've been on for the last 12 plus years with OA. You know, the first three parts of the inventory, selfishness, right? Where am I thinking selfishly and self-centeredly? Dishonesty, so where am I being dishonest? And fear, what am I afraid of? Are all about me and my thinking. But this one and my power is how I'm affecting others. What am I bringing to the world? How am I showing up? And whatever that ideal turns out to be, am I willing to grow toward it? Am I willing to try to be someone who my higher power would be proud of and would want me to be. And I'm really, I, I don't know that I ever put all that together with these four parts of the inventory, but I will say that that is a powerful part of my program and asking myself each day in the 11th step, did I, you know, did the way God would want me to today? Did I use my step work, my 10th step? Did I call a friend? Did I, was I absent? Did I do all these things? I kind and patient with other people. I'm not a patient person. That is very true. So, you know, I think this really is a much bigger statement than about sex. So I just want to refer back to my first statement that, you know, I, I get it. I get that this is about my power and how I show up. So thank you for letting me share today. Hope you all have a blessed day. Thank you, Sigrid. Julie Kay, your turn. Star Thank one, please. So Hi, everyone. I'm Julie Kay. I'm a compulsive overeater and food addict um, living in Connecticut. And, you know, when I was 15, I discovered I had a superpower. Um, although I didn't really understand what it was, I just knew what it did. And what it did was it got, at that time, mostly men to pretty much do whatever I wanted them to do. Um, by using my, by manipulating them through my sexual power. And I didn't know what that was. I just knew that I got these people to give me that external validation that I so desperately needed. Um, however, I also put myself in some horribly dangerous situations because I never had any intention of following through with anything. I would use my sexuality and my sensuality to, to essentially lure you in, make you think that I was going to give you something in return, and then friggin' run in the other direction because I wasn't going to actually let you see my body. Um, but I still, I needed that external validation. I needed other people to want me, to like me, and it, and it, 
And, and so for me, this inventory was one of the most important because it uncovered my manipulation and my lies and my mistreatment of other people, male and female, in intimate physical relationships and in friendships. Um, you know, who could I get to like me? Who could I get to be jealous of me? Because the reality was that I was jealous and envious of everyone. And I wanted someone to be envious of me. Um, and I, I had to really take a long, hard look at that because it's, it's, a, it's an abusive way of treating people. And to have to admit that um, was really, really hard for me. And to be so grateful that none of those dangerous situations, I mean, I was 15 years old playing with, 23, 24, 25, 26-year-old men, grown men. And the fact that I didn't have any physical harm done to me is a miracle, without question. Um, and, and having to look at how I even have used my sensuality and sexuality in my marriage. Um, you know, I thought this was just about actual sex when I first came into program. And I was like, well, I don't have a lot of partners because I'm a serial monogamous because... I have to know you deeply and intimately before I'm stripping down for you. Um, <clears throat> but that's not the only thing that it's about. And that was, a, that was really hard for me to face. Um, the way my manipulation has hurt other people, the way my lies have hurt other people, the way I have used other people so carefully. Gentle reminder. Thank you so much. And then the way that I've been careless with my own self-heart and, and love. Um, and that's hard to look at. So I guess um, I appreciate the reminder of how, who I'm showing up to today and who I'm showing up as today, which is not the liar, the manipulator, and the user. Thank you so much. That I can. Thank you, Julie. We have time for two short shares, if you'd like to put your name in. I want to unmute. Like to share? This is Katie F. Okay, Katie, we can take one more. Elizabeth, great. Got it. So, Katie F., if you could just take two minutes, that would be wonderful. Thank you. Okay, hi, this is Katie F., a recovered compulsive overeater. And like so many have said, this is a challenging topic to talk about on a meeting with, you know, 400 and some people and however many people listen to the recording. So, um, but I would just like to say that this, you know, the word ideal um, has just grown on me over the years that, um, and it, it just ties in with the line that says we can look the world in the eye. And, you know, I couldn't before I couldn't, certainly when I was a teenager and in my early twenties um, and even I didn't get married till I was 34. So I, I just didn't know how to have relationships with um, the opposite sex that weren't sort of vibey sexual, you know, not that I was going to give anything away, but just my way of, re- of acting was, was not right. And, you know, this is the part that, um, 
you know, we just keep growing and changing, and this just keeps getting better and better for me in my life um, in every way. I have a fantastic marriage of 28 years, and my husband and I, you know, connect beautifully, And but he is the only one who I act, you know, in a sexual way with, in any form. And, you know, he could be standing next to me through every interaction I have in my life or the God of my understanding. And, and I am not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of the way I act today. And I just think it's just a beautiful gift that just keeps uh, getting better as, um, as I continue to recover one day at a time. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Katie. Next we have Elizabeth or Elizabeth. Yeah. Hi, it's Elizabeth B. in North Carolina. Thank you. Um, thanks for letting me share. Um, I, I have two minutes. Uh, I just wanted to, to thank everyone today for um, this concept. We've been, in this last few weeks, we've just been talking about the past, and I'm, I'm only about 90 days, 95 days in here on a way to measured food plan. And um, I would love to call every single one of you all that shared today and talk to you. And I hopefully we'll try to find the, um, the phone numbers. I could relate to everything that was shared. And what I heard today for the first time, and, and it's probably written this way, but was this idea of hope for the ideal of the future. I can't change the past. I can't change even myself. I can't redo or undo or even make amends for any of the things or who I am, um, I came into this life as I am, and I've been shaped by the experiences of my life. Um, but what I'm hearing is this hope for the future that my ideals, which if I am selfish, self-centered, dishonest, resentful, and fearful, I can be brave and unselfish, forgiving, and God-centered as I move forward. And um, as we were talking today, I, I created a little little sign that I'm going to put on my mirror so that I can remember every day because I wake up forgetting. I, I go to sleep and I look at my day and I wake up, as, as I've heard before, untreated. Um, and with this program, the, the changes that I'm seeing in my life, it's not, not and I'm not, I'm not different. I'm still me. Um, but I'm aware, and it's only through awareness that um, that I'm able to be able to open enough to be willing to, to do things differently. So I'm really, really grateful today, and thank you. Thank you, Elizabeth. Um, wow, that went fast. That was a great meeting, guys. Thank you. So let's see. Thank you to everyone who shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following. Um, I think I have the share ID. Let's see. Yep, the share ID for today is 20081. That's 2-0-0-8-1. We'll now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And... Will Barb W. please read a vision for you? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Good morning. Thank you so much for your service, and thank you for the wonderful meeting, everyone who shared and everybody listening. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Did I say I'm Barb W. recovered in Illinois? Grateful. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. 
Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.